Welcome to today's online worship experience. I'm Pastor Anthony, and we've got a treat for you. I'm on campus at Johnson University in Knoxville, Tennessee, for a Fellowship of Christian Athletes competitors camp. We've got almost 700 middle school and high school students, and I've been speaking each day twice, once for middle school, once for high school, as we've had an incredible encounter with the Lord. And we want to invite you for today's experience into one of those services. But first, we want to give you a glimpse into a day at camp. FCA, if this has been a life-changing week for you, let's give Jesus an ovation of praise that he's worthy of. Would you do that? Absolutely. Guys are incredible. Here's what I want you to do in a very sacred and respectful way. I want to look at the person on your left and right, and I want you to say exactly what that video said. You matter to God, and you matter to me. All right, would you do that? You matter to God, and you matter to me. Hey, I want to thank you so much for the way that you have participated this week in the messages and in worship and in the chants and in the prayer time and you've gone to the huddle afterwards and you've you've prayed together and it's and it's truly been a life-changing experience. Tonight I want to talk to you about this idea of every person. Every person. The first night we talked about that we've got to give God everything. Last night we talked about that every thought matters that we have in our minds. Tonight I want to talk to you about every person. Every person. Because when things get tough in your life, who's willing to stand beside you in the fight? I remember when I was in high school, I had a group of friends, and we were tight, but we were not the toughest group of dudes on the corner, okay? Like, we were not the toughest dudes. We were in the math club. We were in the marching band. We, we, we were in the National Honor Society. Like, we, 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 we had some things going for us, but we were not the toughest dudes. None of us played football, but after a football game one Friday night, we were all at my house, and we were in my front yard, and we were playing two-hand touch football. We were going to play tackle. We want to get hurt, you know what I mean? Because you got marching band practice the next day. So, you know, we, we, were, we were doing that thing. And all of a sudden, it was really late. Uh, one of my guys um, was, was trying to be funny, and he was acting as if he was thumbing for a ride. I don't even know if y'all know what that means. Your middle school students, like, this means you want a ride. Don't ever do that, okay? But back in the day, if you needed to get somewhere and there were no Ubers or Lyfts, that's how you did it. So he was joking around. He was standing out beside the road acting as if he wanted a ride. There were seven of us. They were sitting in the yard just hanging out, and it was really late. And I lived in a neighborhood where people weren't out so late, okay? And this car was driving by so fast, all right? That car did not belong in my neighborhood at that time of night, all right? And so it's coming by super fast. My guy's out there thumbing for a ride. We're all sitting in the ditch kind of hanging out, and all of a sudden the tires lock up, okay? Just to a screeching halt. And then all of a sudden, I see reverse lights, and the car is coming backwards really fast. I'm talking about like NASCAR, wheels spinning stuff, and it comes and stops right in front of us, and all the doors open. And all of a sudden, car empties out, and then all these dudes get out of the car, and they're much bigger than we are. And I hear a guy say, you want to go for a ride? We'll take you for a ride. And I realized in that moment what's happening. 
I'm fixed to be in a fight. Like, this is what's happening. Like, I've never been in a fight in my life, all right, except with my older sister, and that didn't go so well, right? And I'm like, this is my first fight. Now, I'm in the math club, so I start doing the math, and I realize there's four of them, and there's seven, there are two of us, because five of my friends are now halfway across the neighborhood, okay? There was a guy, his name is Jonathan. He's about 300 pounds, and he scaled an eight-foot fence like he was an Olympic athlete. You know what I'm saying? Like, he was terrified he got out of town. And so I, for some reason, could not move. And I'm like, there are two of us, and there are four of them. This is my first fight. It's not starting well, okay? And so for some reason, I absolutely could not move. And I wanted to. I wanted to be right behind those dudes. I wanted to run for everything I had within me. But the only thing moving were my bowels. I could not move. I was paralyzed with fear. And all of a sudden, I see this guy come over to me, and as he's coming toward me, I look, and the only only person left, his name was Jimmy. And Jimmy was about this tall. Now let's pause the story for a second. Anybody remember Scooby-Doo? You remember Scrappy-Doo, his little nephew? You know what I'm saying? That was Jimmy. And Jimmy's got his hands up like he does this all the time, okay? And he's like, come on, bring it, just bring it. And I'm like, this is awesome. The only person left with me in this fight is me and Scrappy-Doo, okay? And he's got his hands up and not even going to be able to reach the guy. And I can't move. Like, I'm terrified. And all of a sudden, this guy comes to me and he puts his hand in the air and gets right here and all of a sudden time stands still you know how they say your life flashes before your eyes it did man like I remember when I was a little kid I remember being in Miss West kindergarten classroom I remember running through church camp like when I was a middle school kid like I remember like the running through the prayer oh that's a little house on the prayer but I remember like a lot of things happening in my life and then all of a sudden I got this boldness that came over me and I lifted my head and I squared my shoulders back and to the top of my lungs, I yelled, Corey! Now you may be thinking, all right, I've heard people call them Jesus, God, Holy Spirit, Abba, Father, Jehovah, Jireh. Never heard him called Corey. I wasn't calling out to Jesus. I was calling out to Corey because all of a sudden Corey goes, Oh, what's up, Andy? It was my biology lab partner, okay? He didn't realize it was me, and I didn't realize it was him. He was about to take me out. And I look over in time to see that Jimmy knew the guy who was fixing to tackle him. It's a small town. We knew everybody. And, and, and they're over high-fiving each other, right? And I'm like, what is happening right now? I was almost in my first fight, and I think I paid myself. Like, that was the scariest thing ever. The next day, I walk into biology. The whole class erupts in laughter, right? I was terrified in that moment. But what I learned was out of all of my friends in that situation, the only person who was willing to stand beside me was Jimmy. Now my question to you is when you're in the fight of your life, and I'm not talking about like a Friday night fight, all right? I'm not talking about like a fist fight. I'm talking about when life gets tough for you. I'm talking about when, when situations in your life are bigger than what you can handle or control, who is standing there with you when you were in that battle? Who's your battle partner? Like, who is your crew? Because I'm convinced that the older I get, I'm so focused on what I've got to do to finish strong. 
I, I want to finish strong. I want the world to be different because I'm here. I want my life to count. I want to finish strong. But I recognize that whether or not I finish strong really depends on the people who I surround myself with. I've said it for years. You want me to show you your future? Show me your friends. Let me see the people that you allow to speak into your life because I'm convinced that teamwork makes the dream work. In fact, the church that I pastor, which is an incredible church in Raleigh, North Carolina called North Park Church, every volunteer that we have at our church has a t-shirt on that says teamwork makes the dream work. Because we recognize that there's no dream or vision that we have in our life, whether it's in a church or in your sports team or that you have as an individual. There is nothing that we can accomplish on our own. We need each other. Every person matters. And you may say, Pastor Andy, I, I don't need anybody. Like, I, I'm solo. Like, I, I don't need anybody. I don't count on anybody. I am absolutely good on my own. And I would say, brother, I would say, sister, God didn't hardwire you that way. Something happens when we isolate ourselves, and it's not pretty. There's actually a show about it on the History Channel called Alone. I want you to take a look right here you spend a lot of time alone in the wilderness you better like yourself this is a whole new level of survival and we're trying to film it i commend anyone who can survive in this area there's a bear right across hello mr camera whoa 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 not a fan of moving around camera gear it's really easy to just become your own worst enemy the solitude is driving me insane I don't have a camera crew to talk to, and I don't have any interaction whatsoever except for me. It's so loud up there. Pretty sure I just saw a cougar about 10 feet from my front door. I'm sitting in here. I was just charged by a bear. Could be into the woods circling behind me. I don't know. The last man standing wins $500,000. But it's not worth dying over. What was that? So this entire show is built around this concept that people are completely alone. There's no camera crew. There's no production crew that's following them around. There's not a team. They are completely isolated alone. And if they want to get out, they have to tap out. And somebody comes and rescues them and takes them home. And the last person standing wins the prize. But as you watch the show, what you discover is it's not whether or not they can keep a fire going. It's not even whether or not they're afraid of the bears and the coyotes and the wolves. The reality is it's the isolation. They just simply can't handle being alone. I did some research and found that seven different studies were done on the effects of loneliness. And they discovered that loneliness and isolation increases the risk of disease and even death by 26%. Why? Because we were not created to be alone. And the destination that we have in our heart, that dream that God births inside of us, we can't get there without the help of people. I remember my first bicycle. It was this red bicycle with this like really big banana seat. I don't even know if you've even seen what that looks like. It's just a big seat and these big handlebars, okay? I love that bike. And I had so many adventures on that bike. It got me into so many different places and so many different adventures. I absolutely loved it. But the reality was I didn't learn to ride that thing by myself. 
My dad had to come alongside of me, and dad didn't give me a pep talk. He didn't give me a manual. He didn't show me a YouTube video like we had YouTube. Like, he didn't show me an instructional video and say, okay, here's how you do it. Here's a nice pep talk. Now you go try to figure it out on your own. My dad was an amazing mentor. And so he came beside me, put his hands on that bike with me, and he helped me. We didn't have training wheels. There were no helmets. This was just figure it out. And so my dad, time after time, would walk with me, and he would run with me, and he would run beside me, and he would make sure that I had it figured out. And when he saw that I had it figured out, then he would let me go, and then he would see me just kind of fly on that thing. Now, I tried to teach my son the exact way that I taught was taught by my dad, and it didn't go so well. Like, I, I remember like pushing my son, and, and I stood back thinking he's got it, and he just goes, and he veers off to the right, hits a curb, flies off the handlebars, and lands into a bush. It was like a cartoon. I just saw these little feet sticking out of the bush, and that was what happened. I tried to give him a pep talk, give him a push, and then I stood back, and I watched the wreck happen. And I think that's what we do with people a lot. Because it's a lot easier to give somebody a couple of scriptures and a pep talk and then sit back and witness them crash. But see, I don't think God's called you to be a witness. I came up with a different word, and I'm going to put both words on the screen. And here it is. It's not a witness. I think God's called you to be a witness. See, a witness is a person who sits back and watches the wreck happen and basically says, I'm a witness. I saw it happen. And man, it stinks to be in your situation. That's what a witness is. You ever witnessed something like that? You saw it happen. You stood back. You watched the bad thing happen. And then you said, man, it stinks that you're in that situation. I don't think God's called us in those types of relationships. I think instead he's called us to be a witness. Everybody say witness. Are you with me? Are you called to be a witness? And basically what that is is a person who says, hey, I see it, but I don't just see it. I, I'm not just going to sit back and watch you walk through this difficult moment in your life, but I'm going to be with you through every single bit of it. Are you a witness or are you a witness? Now, there's great passages, 2 Kings chapter 2 and 2. And there's these two guys named Elijah and Elisha. And, and, and Elijah says to Elisha, Elijah says to Elisha, stay here. Because the Lord has sent me to Bethel, okay? But Elisha says to Elijah, and Elijah's the mentor. He's like the coach, and, and, and Elisha's the younger guy who's following in his footsteps, and he's learning, and he's trying to grow. He's the mentee. And, and, and Elisha says to Elijah, as surely as the Lord lives, and as surely as you live, I will not leave you. And so the Bible says that they went down together to Bethel. See, there's something powerful when you look at a person in your life and you say to them, hey, I'm not just a witness, but I'm going to be with you. I have a coach in my life. He's an incredible man of God who has spoken into my life so much over these last couple of years. And, and his name is Coach Hollis, Mike Hollis. And, and he's this incredible guy who coached my son, but he's coached me on how to be a better man and how to be a better husband and how to be a better father. And, and, and Coach Hollis didn't attend our church. But he watched what we went through as a family, and he looked at me one day and he said, I'm going to start coming to your church. 
I was like, that's powerful. That's awesome. I'd love to have you. He said, you don't understand. There's a reason and a purpose for why I'm coming. And, and I was like, okay, tell me, tell me more. He said, because I want to be with you. He said, I recognize that you've been through some tragedy and you've been through the hardest thing that you've ever been through and I don't want you to walk through it alone. And so when you're on that stage preaching, me and my wife are gonna be sitting right here and we're gonna be praying with you and we're gonna be praying for you. And as many Sundays as they've been able to be at our church, they've sat right there in that seat and they've sought God on my behalf as I've walked through some very difficult moments in my life. And I can tell you, after I lost my wife, some of the most isolating times were standing on that stage and trying to preach and feel like I was doing it alone. But God sent me a friend. He sent me a mentor. He sent me a coach. He sent me somebody that said, as surely as the Lord lives and as surely as you live, I will not leave you. I will be with you through this crisis. And basically what he's doing is living out Ecclesiastes chapter, Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. And this is what it says. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If someone falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls. That's nobody to help them up. There's this incredible story in 1 Samuel chapter 14. And I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but I encourage you to write that down and go back tonight or over the next couple of days. And I want you to read this story, 1 Samuel chapter 14, and it's about Jonathan, who is King Saul's son. And the Bible says that the Israelites, God's chosen people, were at war with the Philistines. Like all through scripture, man, we read about the Philistines, they were always the bad guys. And they came across this small group of Philistine soldiers. And, and you can kind of see this in the high def theater of your mind. Jonathan and his armor bearer, like his guy who's just kind of with him all the time. It's Jonathan's withness. And, and they're looking down and they, they see this, this group of Philistine soldiers in a valley. And the Bible says that Jonathan looked at his armor bearer and said, hey, why don't we go down there and take care of them? Now, when he said, why don't we, he wasn't talking about his army. He wasn't talking about his battalion. He wasn't talking about his team. He was talking about him and his armor bearer. It was two people against all of these guys. And this is what he says to his armor bearer. He says, maybe, perhaps, it's that word that gets me. Perhaps if we go down there, God's favor will be upon us and we can win this battle. Just perhaps. I'm going to be honest with you. If you looked at me and said, hey, let's do something that's super dangerous and that's going to require an unbelievable amount of courage. Let's go down there and do it. Like, I would want you to be like, dude, I was praying and I was fasting for like 21 days. And I sought God's face and God audibly spoke and said, if the two of you will go down there, you will have victory. And even then I'd have to pray about it. You know what I'm saying? That's a big deal. I certainly don't want to hear you look at me and say, um, perhaps if we go down there, God will be with us. But he looks at the armor bearer and says, perhaps if we do this, God's favor will be upon us. And I want you to look at the response of the armor bearer. In that situation, he didn't ask questions. He didn't seek more information. He didn't have time to think about it or pray about it or fast about it. He literally looked at Jonathan, and this is what he said. Do all you have in mind, I'm with you heart and soul. That's a powerful statement to me. 
Basically what he was saying is whatever God's put on your heart, let's go do it and I'm gonna be with you while you do. There's this military term that I love and it's just this, this one phrase, I've got your six. And what that means is I've got your back. Do all you have in mind. If God's put something in your heart to do that, you step out and do that, and you can know I'm going to be a witness. And dude, lady, friend, sister, brother, I've got your six. Now, most of you, probably all of you, are athletes. You wouldn't be at FCA if you weren't. And there's something that exists today in our athletic culture that didn't exist when I was your age, and it's called concussion protocol. When, when I was young, nobody cared about concussions. You know what I mean? If, if you could walk, it's like, get back out there, man. Like, our phrase was rub some dirt on it and get back out there. Do y'all still say that? Y'all got a coach that still says that? Your arm can be broken. And you're, my coach would be like, man, just rub some dirt on and get back out there. And if that didn't fix, I'd be like, coach, dirt did not help. He'd spit on it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like with tobacco juice, like spit on it. And like, all right, that's better. Now get back out there, right? Nobody cared, man. You have 18 concussions. And as long as you can see, you're good. But you don't do that. You got concussion protocols. And my son, when he was playing sports in high school, brought home this contract that he had to sign. I had to sign it. The team doctor had to sign it. The coach had to sign it, and the athletic director had to sign it. Like, this was a big deal. It was a contract. And this is what it states. If I think a teammate has a concussion, I should tell my coach, my coaches, parents, or medical professionals. And then there was an actual covenant that you had to sign before you could play that sport. Basically, what you were saying was, I care enough about the head of my teammate that if I see something, I'm going to say something because I don't want my teammate to get injured. So here's my question to you. If we're that concerned about the head of our teammates and our friends, why are we not that concerned about their heart? If we're worried about whether or not they've got a headache because of a concussion, why would we not also be concerned about the heartache that they're experiencing because of the challenges that they're facing in their life? Why would we not speak up and say, I know you're fighting something here. I know you're going through some stuff, but you don't have to go through it alone. I'm with you. My daughter ran track. And I didn't know how to run track. Like, I, I didn't do track. Anybody run track? The closest experience I had to track was freeze tag, okay? And that was a really fun game we should bring back. It should be popular again. Make a TikTok about it. Make it viral. We should all be playing freeze tag. But I didn't know how to help my daughter. She was in the relay. She was in the third leg of that relay. And I knew where she would run every single race. And so I would wait until it was their turn and her team would take their place and I would get up from the stands and I would walk all the way around the track to that portion that she would be running. And I would wait. And I would wait. 
and I would wait. That's really all you do with a track meet. You realize that, right? You wait hours to run six seconds, okay? That's really, that is track and field by definition. Wait to run six seconds. It's not the most exciting athletic event now that I think about it. And so I wait, and I wait, and I wait. And then the gun goes off, and there's the first leg, and I'm just waiting. And finally, that person, who wasn't always the fastest, made it to the second leg, and they pushed the baton, and there goes the second leg. And my heart would start pounding because I knew it was about time. It was about time for me to go to work. And so all of a sudden, when she would get close to my daughter, my daughter would start that run, right? And she's got her hands back, and she's focused on the fort. And all of a sudden, when that hand hit that baton, and she turned and started to run, it was my time to shine, baby. And every single time I would run beside her outside of the track, right, on the fence line. And I would just start running. Dig it, dig it, dig it, dig it, dig it, dig it, dig it. That's all I knew to say. Basically what I was doing was saying, run faster, run faster, run faster. And I would scream until she gave that baton off. And then I'd be like, that's my girl. Way to go. It didn't care if she was slow. It didn't matter if they dropped the baton. It didn't matter if they were last. I was with her. And she never ran a track meet that she didn't hear her dad screaming, dig it, dig it, dig it, dig it, dig, 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 dig. That's my girl. Because I want my kids to know I'm a witness. The people that I pastor and I walk through life with, I'm not screaming at them all the time, but in my heart, I'm saying, dig, dig, dig. You can do this. You can do this. That's my boy. That's my girl. I come to you, FCA. This is my second year to spend time with you. And I spend an entire week with you. And I know you hear me preaching and trying to make you laugh and share stories. But what I'm doing is I'm running the fence line with you this entire week. And I'm saying, dig, 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 worship, pray, get in God's word. Let's do this. You can do this. Because I'm a witness. I'm with you. You need somebody who will be a champion in your life and believe the best in you. And these people that are at this camp, they believe the best in you. And we need to be that for the people in our life. We need to be a witness. My son has two really good friends, T-Bone and Smooby. That's their screen names on PS5. And I call them T-Bone and Smoothie. That's what I call them every single time I see them. And do you remember way back in the day when you were like just really, really small, there was a game that came out called Fortnite. Anybody remember that game? I wanted to play Fortnite with my son and his boys so bad. And finally, they gave me an opportunity to play. I loved it, man. I had my controller. I had my headphones. And we squatted up, man. There was four of us, and we dropped out of that bus, and we hit our spot on the map, and there we go. It was my first battle royale, and I was in a squad. And we got our, we got our, we, we got this group down, and we got this group down, and we got this group down, and I kept seeing the numbers go down and down and down and down and down. And finally, I hear these guys go, guys, we got one more, and we're gonna win this thing. And like, we're down to the end. And all of a sudden, it was just like, it was like tense, man. We're in this battle, and here we go, here we go, here we go. And all of a sudden, it got really quiet. And then in one moment, all four of us online just start going, no way! 
like we just start screaming to the top of our lungs. Man, I stood up. I scared my family. I stood up and I was just like, yes, let's go. I was so excited to get my first win on Fortnite with my squad. And then finally, after all the shouting, I hear in my headset, Smooby say, North Park Pastor, because that's my screen name. I got really creative. North Park Pastor, how's it feel to get your first win? And I said, guys, I'm going to be honest with you. I never even shot my gun. <laughs> they were like, what? I was like, I never really saw anybody to shoot at. Like, I didn't know what I was doing. I spent most of my time like this in the game. I bush camped for most of the game. You know, like I was just trying not to die. I said, I never shot my gun. Now that's a funny story, but I want you to listen to what he said next because I'll never forget his words. All right? This is important. Lean in like one minute and I'm done. This is what he said. He said, now you know what it feels like to be carried. Now you know what it feels like to be carried. Fast forward four years. I told you my story. I told you about losing my wife. Fast forward to the fact that my son's now not a kid playing Fortnite. He still plays Fortnite, but he's not a kid anymore. Now he's a high school senior. Now he's trying to figure out where he's going to college. He's trying to figure out what it means to be a man. And in the fight of his life, his mom goes home to be with Jesus. We leave the hospital in the middle of the night, and we came back to our house. I was done. I went straight to my bedroom and I just kind of collapsed on my bed and I have no idea how long I slept. I slept a really long time. I was exhausted in every possible way. And when I got up and I walked out of my bedroom, I just kind of remember just like, oh wow, there's somebody standing right at my door. And you know who it was? It was Smooby. And I said, when did you get here? And he said, I got here about the same time y'all did. And I looked at my watch. It was the next day. And I said, you've been here all night? And he said, yeah, I just came down to get something to drink. T-Bone and I have been with Micah all night. And they were there the next day. And they were there the next day. And when they needed clothes, their parents brought them clothes. They were there the next day. When we had our celebration of life and all those people come through the line to tell you that they're sorry and that they're praying for you, the only people standing in that line were my wife's parents, my daughter, her boyfriend, me, Micah, Smoobie, and Tebow. And through those next few weeks and months, they never left. They were constantly there. And to this day, they are my son's best friends. And when I see them and I think about that experience, my mind goes back to what Smoobie said after that first win. Now you know what it's like to be carried. And in the deepest moments of my son's life, those dudes make good on that promise. Hey, we'll carry you when you need it. Because we know you'll carry us when we need it. Teamwork makes a dream work, baby. Like, who is your witness? Who's walking this journey with you? Who are you walking this journey with? And I think there's two questions that we could ask. Here's the first question. Why don't I have friends like that? That's a good question. Why don't I have friends like that? But I think it's the wrong question to ask. That's the 
the wrong question. So don't ask the question, why don't I have friends like that? Here's the better question. What do I need to do in order to experience deep, meaningful relationships? That's the question to ask. What do I need to do? I'm missing a word there. What do I need to do in order to experience deep, meaningful relationships? Because life change happens in the context of meaningful relationships. And so my prayer for you tonight, we're going to pray here in just a second, is that not only God would give you those relationships, but you would be that kind of friend to the people in your life. To look at somebody and say, hey, I know you're going through some stuff, but I got you. I'm with you. I want to share a verse of scripture with you. It's a passage, and it's my favorite. It's not going to be on the screen for you. It's kind of a late edition, but it's just one I was reminded of just before I walked out tonight. And I want you to listen to it. So you can just kind of put your stuff down. I just want to just kind of absorb this tonight. I want to speak this over. This is what it says. Those of us who are strong and able in the faith, and you are strong and able in the faith. God has empowered you this week, strong and able in the faith. We need to step in and lend a hand to those who falter. And not just do what's convenient for us. See, being a witness with somebody is not always convenient. It's not always easy. But I love this next part. Strength. That strength that you have. It's not for status. It's for service. God's not giving you all these incredible gifts for you to have some high spiritual status. He's giving you those gifts so that you can serve somebody. Because every soul matters to him and they matter to you. And then I like what it says. Each of us need to look after the good of the people around us and ask ourselves this question. How can I help? Some of you are writing and still writing. How can I help? That's the question to ask. How can I help? Because that's exactly what Jesus did. And I end with this phrase. I love this word picture. Because what Jesus did, he didn't make it easy for himself by avoiding people's trouble. But he waded in and he helped them out. He waded in. And he helped him out. Jesus looked at somebody in a situation and he said, hey, it doesn't just stink to be you. Like, I'm going to be with you in the middle of it. Jesus was committed to that so much that he was willing to lay down his life as a sacrifice for you. Jesus didn't just say, I'm going to be your witness. Jesus said, I'm going to do it for you. I'm going to fight for you. Some of you that are in the fight, man, you just need to be chill right now and recognize that God is fighting for you. You don't have to do this alone. You don't have to figure it all out. But God is literally fighting for you. This week, God has given you some incredible relationships. He's given you friends. He's given you people that you will stay connected with probably for the rest of your life. Believe it or not, I got a text today from a friend who said, dude, I'm praying for you. I'm excited about what's happening in your life. What can I pray about specifically for you? How can I pray for your kids? You know what he was saying? I'm with you, man. Let me help you. Let me pray for you. Give me something to pray about. Do you know where I met that friend at? When I was at camp in summer when I was in middle school. And we've been lifelong friends. So God's given you some relationships this week that will last a lifetime if you nurture those relationships. 
And he's given you huddle leaders who are speaking life into you that you'll be able to stay connected with. You'll go home tomorrow, but what's happened in these altars and in those rooms and on these fields and in these spaces and that cafeteria, it's been life-changing and it doesn't have to end because life change happens in relationships that started here, but they don't end here. And so here's what I want us to do tonight. I want you to stand and I want you to get with your huddle and I want you to find a place in the front, down on the side. And for the remainder of this service, until Devin directs us otherwise, I just want you to pray for each other. And huddle leaders, I want you to help me. Ask, how can we pray for you? How can we pray for you? What's God doing in you? What's God saying to you right now? What can we do to pray for you? And then maybe one at a time, put that dude, meet that girl in the circle, and everybody pray with that person. We'll have to do that a little quickly, but let's make sure everybody jumps in that circle. And we pray that every person has been anointed and prayed for tonight, that they know they are not alone, that they have witnesses. Jesus, as people move tonight, God, help them know they're not alone, they're not isolated. But Lord, we are surrounded by people who love us and care about us. And tonight we give it all to you because we trust you. Lord Jesus, you are a God who can always be trusted. And I thank you that life change happens in the relationships that you entrust us with. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.